0: Good morning. If you have your Bibles, please open them up to Acts chapter three and also uh, the message outlines right out there at the ministry counter, right out those center doors. We're gonna continue in our series called Unstoppable. And what we're doing, working through the book of Acts, and we just started a couple weeks ago, and we're looking at the, and learning from the early church so we can make a difference for Jesus today, amen? We wanna make a difference for Jesus. And when you read the book of Acts, and when I read it, I always come to the question, God, why did you do such incredible things through these men and women? You ever think about that when you read it? Why did you do that? Why did you choose them? Why was there such a powerful movement of the gospel of Jesus Christ during that time? What made them so special? What made them so unique during that time? They had their issues. They they weren't perfect. But these men and women were used by God in a powerful way to do the things for the kingdom. Remarkable way. And what would it have felt like being part of the, one of those early churches? What would it have been felt like to do that? I wonder when they came together for a gathering. I wonder if you would have missed one. If they came together, I'm not going to miss next week. I'm not going to miss when they meet. Whenever they meet, I'm, I'm going to be there. I wondered what their prayers would have been like. I'm sure their prayers would have been filled with passion and, and urgency. And I, I don't wonder when people were in their service, if they ever got bored. And their minds and and eyes started wandering around and they got bored because there was so much to do wasn't there, there was so much excitement there was so they were so inspired to make a difference for for jesus and i hope you're like that today I hope you have that same heart you want to do something different for Jesus, make a difference for him they were there for the launch of the only unstoppable movement the world has ever seen do you realize that the only unstoppable movement the world has ever seen if you have your bibles I want you to open them to Acts chapter three. And as you're opening them to Acts chapter three, as you're finding that, I wanna read you some verses from Acts chapter three to help you to really understand what this church and what this movement was all about. It only takes a few. So as I'm reading, you find Acts chapter three, and I'm just gonna read the verse and you just listen. Acts chapter two, verse 40 through 41, it says, "'With many other words he warned, warned them "'and pleaded with them to save yourselves "'from this corrupt generation. "'Those who accepted his message were baptized About 3,000 were added to their number that day. Acts chapter 2, verse 47. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. Acts chapter 4, verse 4. But many who heard the message believed, and the number of men grew to about 5,000. Acts chapter 6, verse 7. So the word of God spread. The number of disciples in Jerusalem increased rapidly, and a large number of priests became obedient to the faith. Acts chapter 9, verse 31. Then the church throughout Judea, Galilee, and Samaria enjoyed a time of peace. It was strengthened and encouraged by the Holy Spirit. It grew in numbers, living in fear of the Lord. Acts chapter 11, verse 21. The Lord's hand was was with them, and a great number of people believed and turned to the Lord. Acts chapter 13, verse 49. The word of the Lord spread through the whole region. And Acts chapter 16, verse 5. So the churches were strengthened in faith and grew daily in numbers. And when you read the book of Acts, you just get the highlight that, like that. You see there's many people that came to faith in Jesus Christ. That these people were on fire for Jesus. Amen? They were on fire. And I believe one of the reasons that God was doing such a, an amazing thing through the church in the book of Acts, because these men and women were continually, continually putting into practice the things that Jesus taught them to do. They were obedient to Jesus. You know, we're the only continent on the globe that is not seeing a forward movement of the gospel of jesus christ we're the only continent and could it be because we're not doing the things that jesus did with the same regularity as the early church that they were good at this they were good at what they were doing and when jesus taught his disciples, he's taught them uh, what it means to be a disciple let me just give you a really simple definition what is to be a disciple of jesus to learn to be like jesus and do the things that jesus did that's what it is to be a disciple of jesus learn to be like him and do the things that he did of course faith through Christ but to follow him, be a follower of Jesus. We think about our concept called discipleship, that I'm a disciple of Jesus Christ. How did Jesus actually get these people to grow in their faith, that they would have such an impact in in the book of Acts that we see here? Well, I think there's three things that he did. Three things, and generalizing it, but three things. And you can write these down. Uh, He gave them information. The first thing he did, he, he gave them the content the teaching, the understanding of the Gospel message, understanding about the kingdom of God, what to believe. He gave them the content, gave them that information. So they had that information of what they needed. Had it all. He had it. Not only did He give them information, but He gave them imitation. Or He gave them follow my example, is what He said. He said, now I want you to show you the actions that associate with the Gospel message. I want you to show you how to live out the Gospel message through your life. In other words, and this is how you're to live. And what it is, is Jesus is telling him and showing him, follow my example. Do what I do, is what Jesus was telling them. Third, finally it was innovation, or it was challenging them. He says he sent them out on mission. He sent them out into town, new towns, new communities, and new cities. And he says, now take the information, the content, the gospel message. And he says, now follow the actions of the gospel, the imitation. Follow my example. And I want you to go out and engage the world with the gospel of Jesus Christ. And that's what he did. He he gave them the information, the content, and then he sent them out. He says, I want you to follow my example. And as you go out, do what I do and take the gospel out and engage them to be on mission for Christ is what he shared with them. And Jesus taught them how to do this. And that early church, when you read in the book of Acts, they did this very effectively. They were not perfect, but they did this very well. And maybe one of the reasons that we struggle with this is because we're not imitating our Lord and Savior. Because we're not following the example of Jesus. If you am Acts chapter 3, and everybody's nodding, yes. In Acts chapter 3, I want to give you three ways the disciples were putting into practice the things that they learned from Jesus. So let's read Acts chapter 3, verse 1 through 7 together. One day, Peter and John were going up to the temple at the time of prayer, And at three in the afternoon, now now a man crippled from birth was being carried to the temple gate called Beautiful, where he was put every day to beg from those going into the temple courts. When he saw Peter and John about to enter, he asked them for money. Peter looked straight at him as did John. Then Peter said, look at us. So the man gave them his attention, expecting to get something from them. Then Peter said, silver or gold I do not have, but I have I give you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, walk. Taking him by the right hand, he helped him up, and instantly the man's feet ankles became strong. I want to give you three interactions the disciples learned from Jesus. And the first one, I want you to notice, they stopped for people. And this is so important. They stopped for people. Peter and John stopped for this man. And I want you to think about this man's situation for a moment. The Bible says he was crippled from, from birth. And what would happen at that time if people would come to this man wherever he slept, and they would literally come to him and they would pick him up pick him up and carry him wherever he needed to be that day. And that day, he, he's going to be at the temple gate called Beautiful. And this is a gate where people entered enter into the temple to worship. And he's there. And he's begging for money. Not a great situation for this man to be in. And here comes Peter and John on their way to the temple. They had plans. They, they were there for a purpose. They were there for a reason to pray. And on their way, this man asked them for money. And I have some money? And what do you expect him to do? I mean, in our culture, let's be honest, what do we do? Let's be honest, usually nothing, do we? We make sure as we, if somebody asks us for money or something like that, what do we do? We make sure our wallet stays in our pocket. We might even feel back for our wallet and make sure it's there or in our purse. We make sure it's shut. We might give them a nod, grin at them. But most of the time, as we get that tunnel vision and we walk by like we don't even see them, right? They're right there, but we act like we don't even see them. And we do nothing. That's not what Peter and John did here they stopped. They took time for people, just like Jesus. And this is so counterintuitive to our culture when we look at this. If if we were defining, characterized by this practice, simply stopping for people, we would turn the world upside down for Jesus, just to stop. This is so unique in our society today, for someone just stopping for someone else. Remember the story of Bartimaeus in in Mark chapter 10. Jesus was walking on the road, uh, leaving Jericho, and there's a large crowd with him, with his disciples. So Peter and John would be there to watch Jesus do that. They would follow his example, see this. And he's walking from the city with a great crowd, and it has to be noisy. And there's this man, Bartimaeus, who's blind on the side of the road. And he hears that Jesus is coming down the road. So Bartimaeus screams out, Son of David, have mercy on me. And we learn from the Gospel of Mark that people in the crowd started shushing Is that such a word, shushing? Started shushing him. Be quiet, shushing. Be quiet. Stop doing that. And it didn't deter Bartimaeus. It didn't stop him. He screams out again, "Son of David, have mercy on me." And what did Jesus do with this man who was screaming out his name? We read in Scripture that Jesus stopped. He called the man to himself, and he met that man at his place of need. He healed the man. And we see from this example that Jesus stopped for people, didn't he? Constantly in Scripture, he stopped. And this is such a consistent practice that we see in Jesus' life. Jesus had a busy schedule. He had places to be and places, things to do and all this kind of thing. What you say Jesus was busy? But when you think about Jesus' teaching and, and his healing and, and his ministry, when you really examine his ministry, this is the principle you find. That when Jesus was doing all those ministry things, he was doing them as he was going. Always says he was going. He was going. He was going from Jericho. We read, he was going through Samaria. He was going to Jerusalem. He was going across the lake. He was going through Capernaum. Whatever it seemed, that all of his interaction with people that we read about in the Gospels, when he taught them, when he healed them, when he ministered them, when he just spent time with people, it happened from here to there. As Jesus was going, constantly, as he was going, as he was going to here, he ministered to people. We see all the time that he stopped for people. We see that. When I think about my life, and maybe you think about your life, we think of going on mission for Jesus. What we often do today is we put it on our calendar, don't we? It's an event. It's an event that we have on our calendar. Don't get me wrong. Jesus had events that he had scheduled to, that he had to go to. But it's just fascinating when I look at this, that much of Jesus' ministry— happened between events. As he was going to that event, as he was going to that town, as he was going over here, he stopped on his way and he ministered to people. So let me ask you, do you take time to stop for people as you're going through life? Do you take time to stop for people as you're going through life? Do you take time to allow people to interrupt your life? See, that's what the church of the book of Acts had figured out. And that's what the disciples are doing here. They figured that out. And they learned that from Jesus. They saw Jesus do that, taking the time to stop and allow an interruption to come in your life that you did not plan for. Allow God to use that for his glory. That's what they did constantly. They didn't plan for this man to be there. They didn't plan. They were going there to pray. But as they were going, something happened. Here's the challenge for us. When we cross the path with someone who's hurting and, 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 and in need, when God interrupts our lives for an opportunity for ministry, it could be a neighbor, it could be a co-worker, it could be a family member, it could be someone at the church, whoever it is, the question is, do we stop? Be honest. Do we really stop? Do we really stop to, to minister to Him? I, I wrote down there's like five major reasons I, I think that we don't stop, and I'm going to list them here real quick, go through them pretty quick. You can write them down if you want. I think the first reason is we all claim we're too busy. We're too busy, and you know, I don't have time. I'm so focused on what I'm doing that I don't have time to look around and see what's going on around me because I'm too focused. So we say we're too busy. I'm just too busy. I don't have time. The second reason I think it is is we don't know what to say. We don't know what to say. What if they need something I don't have? What if they ask me a question that I can't answer? So, so we come up and we say, I, I really don't know what to say. How am I going to start a conversation with them? I don't know what to say. The third reason we come up with the excuses. It's none of my business what's going on in their life. We say that because our culture is autonomy is the king. Don't bother anybody, right? Let that person just be. Let them do their thing, and I'll do my thing, and everyone's happy. They're doing their thing over there. That's fine they're doing their thing. I'm doing my thing. You're doing your thing. And everyone's happy about doing their thing. So we kind of make excuses the reason we don't go, we kind of justify the reasons we don't do it. The fourth reason, I believe, is selfishness. I don't want to be interrupted. Can we admit that? I mean, many times I'm like that. You don't want to be erupt- interrupted by things going on. And maybe our hearts aren't beating the same heartbeat as Jesus. Can we be honest with ourselves? That many times it's not. It's just not beating the same heartbeat as Jesus. We just don't want to be interrupted in our life. The fifth reason, we're not listening or responding to the Holy Spirit as we should be. Let's admit that. I mean, we're walking someplace and we see someone in need. Someone needs some money or someone's talking to us. And we try to act like we have these blinders on. The Holy Spirit's tapping us on the shoulder. Look at that person. You see that person over there. You see this person. And what do we do? Oh, I'm not going to do that. We don't respond positively to the Holy Spirit many times. And we do our own thing. And so we miss out on opportunities. So let's take the time to stop for people as we're going through life. And this is really important. This is really important. Hopefully you realize, are you with me? Okay, are you with me? Okay, hopefully everyone's awake. It's really important. Because if we do this, this can change our culture, our community, our country, our world. And when we are really living as followers of Jesus Christ and we're imitating him, if all of us would choose to imitate Jesus every day of our lives and everything that we do, we would turn the world upside down, just this little crowd right here. We would turn the world upside down, just being followers and imitating Jesus. If you want to know what was the secret of the early church, that's what they did. They just imitated what Jesus did. They just followed him for those three years and saw him do these things. Hey, that's what Jesus would do. This is what he would do. So I'm just going to do the same thing he did. And they turned the world upside down at that time. And and a movement was started that the world cannot stop. And it's still going on today. So the second interaction the disciples learned from Jesus is connected. It's like the first one. But they connected with people. Not only did they stop for people, but they connected. And this is really important. Read verse 4. It lets us know that. Peter looked straight at him, as did John. Then Peter said, look at us. They connected with him. And they could have just grabbed a few coins if they had them or food or whatever they had and given it to the man and said, hey, we've done our duty with you. Now we're on our way. We got more important things to do. And they could have went, but they didn't do that. They didn't do that at all, the Bible says. They did more than that. They started interacting with this man on a more personal level. And Jesus was their example for that as well. He was their example. He went way beyond stopping and then establishing with uh, relationships with people as he was going and doing ministry. He constantly was stopping on his way, constantly didn't let anything get his way. I'm going over here. I'm going over there. It wasn't a straight line to the event. Jesus would go all over, wherever it would take him so he could minister to people. How many times do you find in scripture where Jesus stopped and he connected with people? You find it over and over in the gospels. You find he calls Zacchaeus, come down from the tree. I'm going to go to your house today. We're going to have a meal together. We're going to sit down. We're going to talk. We're going to have conversation. We're going to build a relationship here. That's what Jesus did. We know he was walking through a a road in Samaria, and he comes to a well, and he stops at a well, and there's a woman there. And he begins a conversation with this woman, and and he's asking her questions. Then he begins to tell her about her life. He connects with her on a deeper level is what Jesus did. He wanted to go beyond just seeing her and acknowledging her and noticing her need. But Jesus wanted to connect with her relationally so he can meet her need on a deeper level. That's what it was all about. I wanna connect with you on a deeper level. That's what Jesus wanted to do. We need to connect with people like Jesus. We need to not only stop, but we need to connect with people is what we need to do. Connect with them. Stop and connect and build those relationships honestly, let me be honest, this is really hard work. I mean, it's hard for us to do. I mean, let's be honest. It's hard for us to do because we don't always want to hear everybody else's problems, right? We don't always want to hear their issues and the things that are going on in their life and all these kind of things. But that's exactly, when we look at the life of Jesus, that's exactly what he did. That's what a disciple looks like that is following Jesus, that is imitating him. That's what they do. He stopped and he connected with him is what he did and he asked him what's going on in your life how can i pray for you what can i do to help you in your life and the question is do you take the time to connect not simply to stop but do you take the time to connect with people because that's what jesus did that's what he did he stopped and he connected with people the third third interaction the disciples learned from jesus and i like this they offered real solutions to people they offered real solutions. Now, let's read verse 6 and 7. Then Peter said, silver or gold I do not have. What I have I give you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, walk. Taking him by the right hand, he helped him up. And instantly the man's feet and ankles became strong. They were asked for money. They said, oh, we don't have any money. I don't have any money to give you. Imagine what the man must have thought when Peter said, I don't have any silver or gold, but let me give you what I have. This man probably thought, if you don't have any silver gold, you don't have any money to give me, you don't have any food to give me, then why don't you just keep walking, keep walking on past. Because I don't, t- I don't have time to hear your, your advice of what I did wrong or what I didn't do wrong or what I should be doing or I shouldn't be doing. Because back then in that culture, many people would come by and say to this man, what did you do, what did your parents do, what sin did you commit that caused you to be crippled and begging here at the temple? What did you do in your life? They would ask him that question. And so when Peter and John said, we don't have any money, but let me tell you something, the man probably said, I don't want to hear it. Just keep going. Please just keep going. But then it was a shocker what Peter said to him. Peter says, in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, walk. I'm sure the man never heard that before, right? It says, in the name of Jesus Christ, walk. And the man was immediately healed, the Bible says. It was a miracle. That means it rarely happens. It rarely happens that he was healed right then. And this really illustrates to us what we should be doing, that Peter and John met a physical need, but meeting the physical need was only a way to introduce them to the man to a greater need, to, to introduce him to Jesus, of who Jesus is, and what he did for them. Let me take it the next step, that Jesus is the Son of God, that Jesus is God, and that he died on the cross for your sins, and you can have a relationship with God the Father through Jesus by accepting him by faith. That's what they wanted to introduce. So to meet that physical need, they were doing that so they could introduce them to the ultimate need that he really had, an eternal need, to be reconciled to a holy righteous God, and it could only happen through Jesus. We all need that, right? Everyone needs that. So that's what they were looking to do, and that's the same way as us. That we meet people's physical needs and their needs, so we can give them, ultimately introduce them to their real eternal need that they had. Because all other needs are temporary. But there's one eternal need to be reconciled to a holy, righteous, just God. And they all need Jesus. And that's what they wanted to do. What I like about the part of this story, what I really like about this story is then Peter said, silver or gold I do not have, what I have I give you. He says, but what I have I will give you. And I, and I really like that. If you begin to begin to look at needs and you stop and you connect with people, you're going to find physical needs. You're going to find emotional needs you're going to find spiritual needs. And as we do that, I like what Peter says. He says, I'm going to give you what I have. Because we all have things to give, right? We can't give what we don't have, can we? Because we don't have it. We can't give that. But we all have something to give. Think about that. We all have something to give. It might be different resources. It might be different amounts of time might be different gifts, might be different abilities, but we're meant to use those things to help others. We're meant to use those. Let's not worry about what we don't have, but let's take what we do have and make a difference. Let's not constantly think about what I don't have, because that's how we are. Well, I don't have this and I don't have that, so I can't do it. Let's not talk about what we don't have, but let's talk about what we have and make a difference in people's lives. Make a difference for Jesus, amen? Because that's what we want to do. And so that's what Peter says. Ultimately, like Peter and John, what do we have in common with Peter and John? Well, if you know Jesus Christ as your Savior, if you know him as your Savior, you're like Peter and John, you have Jesus. Think about that. We have Christ. Isn't there reason to celebrate we have Christ? Amen? We have reason to celebrate. We have Jesus Christ. Think about this. The Son of the living God, the creator of all there is, the author and perfecter of our faith, living inside of us, the Bible tells us. We have him through faith, and, and we have him to give. Jesus. Isn't that word share with people is Jesus? Isn't he worth share with others that we have the same Christ as they did? We have the same Spirit of Jesus Christ empowering us and living inside us and flowing through us, just as Peter and John. The same Christ, the same Holy Spirit, the same. Nothing different. So let's give out Jesus to people we connect with. They offered a real solution. And what I like is what they did. They met a need, but they met that need to reach a deeper need, remember that. We meet needs, physical needs, so we might reach a deeper need because there's a deeper need everybody has. We wanna reach them for Jesus. So we meet that need for a deeper need. We have the same resources ourselves as they had. We see God moving and doing great things that is happening in the book of Acts. They could still happen today. Jesus still moves powerfully in his church today through his people. And I know what you're thinking, yeah, but I can't heal someone. Neither can I. We can't heal people. I can't well, touch someone and heal them. But we know one who can, right? That God can. So we can go to that person. We can take them to the throne of God, and we can pray for them and say, I can't heal you, but I know someone that can. I can't help you in this situation, but let me point you to the person that can. And that's what we're supposed to do. We're supposed to be a conduit of God's love and point them to Jesus. I can't do it, but I can pray to you and ask him to do it. And we take him to the throne of God and we pray for them. That's big, people. That's big. But we also can help him in other ways many times, physical needs and stuff. What else can I help you with that I'm able to do out of my resources that I have? But we can all, always take him to the throne of God and we can pray for them. Well, look what happens as a result of all this verse 8 through 11 He jumped to his feet and he began to walk Remember this man was crippled from birth Then he went with them into the temple courts walking and jumping and praising God I love that walking and jumping and praising God This this guy's excited When all the people saw him walking and praising God they recognized him as the same man who used to sit begging at the temple gate called beautiful and they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. While well, the beggar held on to Peter and John, all the people were astonished and came running to them in the place called Solomon's Colonnade. So people's lives were changed through this story. People's lives were changed through these men. People's lives were changed through Jesus, and that's what we want. Isn't that what we want? We we want to be a part of the unstoppable movement of God, where people's lives are changed through Jesus. And my question is: Do you believe that this happens today? Do you believe that God wants to change people's lives today, like he did in the early church? Or you think that God says, nope, that was back then. Today, I don't change people's lives. Do you believe it changes people's lives? All right, do you believe God changes people's lives today? Amen, yes, 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 we do. If you were changed by him, if you accepted Jesus Christ as your savior, you're not the same. You can't be the same, right? Because you've been changed from the inside out. We need to remember what we have. We have to imitate Jesus now that I have Jesus living inside of us and we have to imitate him. When this man went to the temple, what's really amazing, he probably was never able to go in the temple before because he's crippled. And now he's not. He's been healed physically and he's been healed spiritually. And now he comes in the presence of God, worshiping and he's excited. He's jumping up and down and he's, he's so excited. He can't contain his excitement. And the people there are astonished and they're amazed. They're in awe of what is happening. And, and the church moves forward. Another person's added to the kingdom. Another person comes into the church, we see here. We want to be imitators of Jesus. And we want to do the same things that Jesus did that we see him here. And that's what we want to see. That's what we'll see if we're doing that, for imitating Jesus. We'll be in awe of God and what he's doing because we see people's lives are changed. And so many times what happens in our world today is Christians even do this. They leave everything that, uh, oh, that just happened by chance. Oh, that was a coincidence. And we're praying for God to do something. And when we see him do it, we forget to bring glory to God and be in awe of what he has done in our lives. When people come to Christ as Savior, that is a miracle every time. It's a miracle. Their eternity has been changed. And we need to stand in awe of God when he does those types of things. And that's what we need to do. We need to really stand in awe of him. We need to be imitators of God. You know, I know that it's hard, that it's hard to stop for people. And I understand that. If you're like me, I can have tunnel vision. When I'm out to do something, I mean, I'm one of those that I have to finish a project and ask my wife, I've got to conquer it. I don't stop till I finish it. And when I'm like that, I don't see people on the right or the left of me many times. That I'm not willing to stop because I think what I'm doing in my own head is more important than anything around me, and I'm wrong. See, we need to come to the point where we stop and we connect and then we offer them real solutions. We want to see that happen in our church. We want to see that happen in our small groups. We want to send you out into the world and see that happen in your life. But it's not going to be easy. It's intimidating to go up to people and stop and connect and offer real solutions, isn't it? So we need to pray about it. We need to spend time praying. And one of the great places to do that is Sunday morning in our prayer room, prayer partner room, be praying about that, praying for our services. In our small groups, that's why it's so important to show up to that small group today, meeting right after the service down there in room number five, to go down and be a part of that, to be praying together. Also, another small group's going to be starting on Wednesday nights. You can sign up for that one. But we meet together. You pray together and say, God, give us opportunities. We might be willing and bold and courageous to stop connect and offer real solutions to people it's not going to happen by ourselves just think it's us coming together and encouraging one another and asking god to give us the boldness and and the courage to stop for people and to really be engaged with people and say i'm I'm willing to go out of my way to stop in my life to go to something to stop this wasn't planned in my life and stopped and really engage in people and i wonder and i I thought about this what if a handful of you it would be great if all of you what if a handful of you said today say you know what i really want to do I really want to see this happen in my life. I I want to see God doing something amazing in my life. And that's what I want to see him do. And and what if we just said, right now, I'm going to ask God, I'm going to allow him to interrupt my life and give me those ministry opportunities. I'm going to look for those opportunities. And when I see them by the power of the Holy Spirit, I'm going to be sensitive to him. I'm going to stop. I'm going to connect with them relationally. And I'm going to offer them uh, real opportunities, real things to do and ultimately, what I'm looking to do, introduce them to Jesus Christ, because that's people's greatest need, as I said. That everyone has that. Everyone's greatest need is Jesus. They all need Jesus, right? And I wonder, as I, as I thought about this, what if we really did that? A handful of you, all of all you, said, I'm going to really do that in my life. I wonder over the next weeks and months, eh, how many people would come through those doors all excited, jumping up and down, and screaming, and say, Man, you, you, don't, you don't know what happened to me. Maybe they give their testimony, so you don't know what happened to me. What happened? Well, I'll tell you what happened. Nancy or Cynthia or or Grail or Lynn back there or Thad, they stopped one day and they connected with me and they offered me real solutions and it really impacted my life and then they introduced me to Jesus and I'm standing here today because they were willing to stop. Don't you want to be a part of that story in someone's life where someone's giving their testimony and said, man, they impacted my life just by simply Stopping and connecting, and offer real solutions. Introduce me to Jesus. Don't you want to bring that person in that's jumping up and down, and they, they say, God used them to reach me for Jesus. That's what disciples of Jesus do. They imitate him. That's what the early church was doing, just following Christ's example. That's what they did, and that's what we want to do. May God give us the opportunity and courage and boldness to do that, to simply to stop connect and offer real solutions. And the real solution everyone, everyone needs is ultimately to hear the good news of Jesus Christ. Amen? Because everyone, everyone, one thing they have in common, you will come in contact. They're going to have all kinds of things they're going through. Could be physical, emotional, spiritual, but the one thing they all have is they all need Jesus. If the person already needs Christ, then you come alongside and you pray for them and, and help them through it and all that. Maybe disciple them. But if the person doesn't know Jesus, they all need Jesus. They all need to be reconciled to a holy, righteous, just God. Everybody you come in contact, they may not even know it, but they all need that. And so God wants to use us as his ambassadors, that we might stop for people, we might connect with people, and we might meet that need that they have right then offer a real solution to that need, but ultimately we build that relationship and we introduce them to Jesus Christ. And I tell you, if we will follow his example, we will have people coming in here jumping up and down and praising. Wouldn't you like to see that? People jumping up and down and praising. And they mention your name. Not that you want the glory, but that God used you. And when he called your name, said, I want you to go talk to that person, that you positively responded to Jesus. and said, yes, I'll go do it. Because it's not you that saves anyone. It's not you, it's God chose to use you as that ambassador. It's an honor, it's an honor. God said, I'm gonna use you today. He could use anything, he could use a rock. He could use his stand if he wanted to, to reach someone. That's how God can do. But he chose to use you, you and I as his ambassadors, his feet and his hands and his mouth, to go to people, to share the gospel, to share. Just, all he says is, if you just follow my example, stop, connect, and offer real solutions, it's gonna open up the gospel of Jesus Christ. And that's what we have to do. We have to be faithful in imitating Jesus, and be followers of Jesus Christ. Amen? If we commit to doing that, let's watch what God will do in and through our lives. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Lord, we come and we praise you. For God, there is no one like you. And God, we come and we look to you this morning, because everything that I've talked about this morning, we can't do it on our own. We can't do it without you. We can only do it through your power, through your strength, through your wisdom, through your guidance, through your direction. And Lord, we come on bended knee and we ask, Lord, help us to be people. Help us to be imitators of you in all that we do. Help us to be like on fire like the early church, Lord, that wanted to do everything in in obedience to please you. That we read through the Gospels, Lord, that we learn about your life and learn from you what you did. And we find from simple principles that Jesus stopped for people. And he connected with them, relationally. And then he offered real solutions. And then he, he shared with them about himself, how they can have a relationship with God the Father. And we see the early church practice that. We see what you did with the early church, Lord, and that unstoppable movement. And now the ball's in our court. The baton has been passed to us. Help us, Lord, to learn this simple principle. Help us to follow Jesus. I prayed right now for each and every one of us. We may not have never reached one soul for Christ. We've never not even been tempted to share. But today, Lord, that can all change. There, Lord, you help us to be bold. Help us to be courageous. Today, Lord, help us to put aside our fear of all those things. If somebody might ask me a question, because, Lord, one thing we've learned today, that we've all, we all have something to give. You don't ask us to give what we don't have. You're saying give what you do have. We all have something to give. So, Lord, knowing that, we can stop. We can connect. We can offer real solutions. Solutions that I have. I can give. I can help you. I can't give them what I don't have. And so I don't have to be pressured that I, I'm going to mess this up. No, I can only give you what I have. But then ultimately, Lord, we need to reach the greatest need that they have, is to know you, to know who you are, and know what you did for them up on the cross, that you love them. Help us, Lord. Help us to be that ambassador. Help us to be like the early church with the gospel. Give us that boldness, each and every one of us. Put your, give us that strength. Help us to stand up. Give us your blessing. Fill us with your spirit. Let us yield to you, Lord, as we leave here today that we might be those people that go out and we come and we say, God, we look to you every step of the way. Show us, Lord. Give us those opportunities to share. Give us those opportunities to minister and help us to be faithful to stop, connect, and offer real solutions. Help us to be those people. Lord, we praise you and love you. You deserve our worship. We come here to adore you. We come here, Lord, we look to you to guide us and lead us today, this week, next week, the months to come. And Lord, may we get many opportunities to minister for you. May we see many people come to Christ through just this small group. Use this, us, Lord, in a very powerful way. Guide us by your strength and your Holy Spirit. Oh Lord, we come to you on bended knee and asking for you to help us. And Lord, we ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.